This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man ihtada bihudahu wa ba'd. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we thank Him upon all conditions, we ask Him to forgive us, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings and mercy. We also send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his entire household, all his companions, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them all, may He bless every single one of us, and grant us Jannah, may He grant us paradise, Amin. My brothers and sisters, according to a narration in Tafsir al-Tabari, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, having been sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, primarily within Mecca, he was asked to warn his own family members, his relatives, and later on the others from among the people of Quraysh. And later on, as the circle expanded, he was asked to warn entire humanity, mankind and jinnkind at large. People started finding fault or they tried to find fault, yet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was perfect. We all know that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a human being, but the best of human beings, a creature of Allah, but the highest of all the creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So obviously, he would eat and drink just like any one of us ate and drank. He would also go to the marketplace. He would also marry. He also had children. So this was the example. If Allah wanted, he could have sent an angel. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted us to be able to follow an example. It is difficult for me to set rules and regulations and then tell you to follow them when I myself have never followed them and I'm unable to follow them. So in order, in order to make things easy for us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to us Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The rules and regulations came. He was the first to adopt them, to show us how they should be adopted. So if you and I are to follow his entire lifestyle, we would automatically be the best of people. Subhanallah. So the kuffar, they happen to make a statement which is recorded in the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they said, and this is in Surah Al-Furqan, وَقَالُوا مَا لِهَذَا الرَّسُولِ يَأْكُلُ الطَّعَامَ وَيَمْشِي فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مَلَكٍ فَيَكُونَ مَعَهُ نَذِيرًا They said, how is it that this prophet is eating food and walking in the marketplaces? If Allah wanted, he could have sent an angel to be a warner with him. So all his chores would be met. This is an ordinary man. This is what they were saying. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses. And according to the tafsir of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhu, in tafsir al-Tabari, he says, when the mushrikeen of Mecca commented, and Allah made, makes mention of this comment, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded to that comment by revealing verse number 20 of Surah Al-Furqan. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا قَبْلَكَ مِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِلَّا إِنَّهُمْ لَيَأْكُلُونَ الطَّعَامَ وَيَمْشُونَ فِي الْأَسْوَاقَ O Muhammad sallam, we have never sent a messenger before you except that he too was eating food just like the rest and he too 
used to go to the marketplaces. It's not just you. You are an example for them. The way Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam dealt, his business dealings, his buying and selling, was something amazing. So much so, that even before he was a prophet, before he was granted prophethood by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he was employed by Khadija binti Khuwailid radiallahu anha, later to become his wife, he brought back the merchandise from Asham with a record of absolutely everything. And the Prophet was so handsome that it was better than any other business person. Subhanallah. His attitude, his character, nothing changed. It became better, in fact. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us humble ourselves. So let's not pick on people. How do I apply this verse in my own life? What do I learn from this beautiful verse when it comes to my own life? Let me tell you what I learned. Sometimes you have people who remind us about what is right and wrong. Sometimes you have an imam in the masjid. Sometimes you have a teacher who is teaching the Quran. Sometimes you have people who might be religiously qualified. And when we see them perhaps in the marketplace, when we see them striking a business deal, when perhaps we see them earning a bit of money, when perhaps we see them eating food and enjoying, mashallah, what we call in this part of the world, the Saturday night braai. I'm sure you know about it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. We start saying, but that's a scholar of Islam. He's not supposed to be doing that. Why is he in the marketplace? Why is he doing this? Why is he driving this vehicle? Why does he have the business deals? Well, is it haram? That's the question. If the answer is no, even if you're a very good Muslim, you still will be from among those who deal. In fact, let me take it a step further. The beauty is Allah has kept it such that in your business dealing, there are acts of worship if your intentions are correct. And if you are to reach out to people, you did not crook anyone, you didn't rob anyone, you did not cheat and steal, you were clear, you helped someone earn a good deal, imagine, and they too made a profit, and they were happy, perhaps making dua for you, what more could you have asked for? These are beautiful acts of worship, of worship over and above the other acts of worship, such as salah and various other primary acts of worship in Islam. So this is something beautiful. Also, what is important, my brothers and sisters, we all know company plays a big role in determining the type of person you become. Your friends, they play a big role in who you are. The type of people you are attracted to in terms of friendship closely say, or should I say, is a very, very close, perhaps, explanation of who you are, determination of who you are, who exactly you are, the type of people you mix with, you get along with, they would be like-minded in most cases. So this is why when you want to know more about a person, one of the first things you can look into, who does he mix with? What are the type of people that this person actually interacts with? If they are honest and they are upright, then perhaps your man will also be upright. But if they are drug addicts, perhaps, may Allah safeguard us, the ummah, our children, the, our offspring. May Allah help all those who may be addicted to quit the habit in these last days of Ramadan. Amen. You will not be able to have one person in the midst of 10 drug addicts telling you, I'm the only one who's not there. Have you ever seen whales swim with sardines? Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. They have to move in a school. They all go together. The fish, the different types, they are always together. You cannot have one different one saying that, you know what, I'm different, but I'm with the rest of them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us and grant us ease. This having been made mention of, 
Remember, it is your responsibility to correct your friends. It is your responsibility to bring them to the house of Allah. It is your responsibility to remind them when they are committing sin, to quit that sin. It is your responsibility to remind them when they are doing something haram, prohibited, such as adultery, fornication, perhaps engaging in the viewing of pornography, perhaps any other bad and ill, robbery, whatever it is, your duty to let them know, to remind them. That is when the friendship will be of use on the day of Qiyamah. If not, then on the day of judgment, what type of benefit do we want from the friendship? In fact, there will be a lot of regret for those who were friends, who did not remind one another. Or sometimes, do you know how bad it becomes? A person comes to the house of Allah, they are regular with their prayers, they are good Muslimin, and because of the type of people they begin to mix with, they start slowing down on their acts of worship. So after they were wearing, for example, the hijab, they then quit it because they are impressed by someone who's in their circle of friends, rather than being the other way around. Allahu Akbar. So if that is the case, we are at loss. There is a narration in Tafsir al-Tabari, also by Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. He makes mention of Ubay ibn Khalaf and Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'ayt. These were two of the cronies of Quraysh. One of them was really keen on listening to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He always tried to listen. He always wanted to know the verses of the Quran. He wanted to implement. He wanted to. It is said that he had in his heart the inclination towards the beautiful teachings of Islam. But the other who was his best friend, told him, hey, you better be careful. You do not listen to what he has to say. And so he quit and he did not listen. And in order to please his friend, he gave up what he believed or what he was beginning to believe was actually right. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses, obviously, although there may be a reason of revelation, the lesson is for every one of us. Verse number 27 of Surah Al-Furqan. وَيَوْمَ يَعْضُ الظَّالِمُ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِ اتَّخَذْتُ مَعَ الرَّسُولِ سَبِيلًا يَا وَيْلَتَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ أَتَّخِذْ فُلَانًا خَلِيلًا لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِلْإِنسَانِ خَذُولًا on that day, the oppressor will be biting his hands in regret, saying, I wish I had taken the path of the messenger. I wish I did not have such and such a person as my friend. He indeed led me astray after the guidance came to me. And definitely the devil is very, very deceptive. The devil deceives man. This is a beautiful verse. It teaches us that if you want to avoid regret on the day of judgment, and in the Arabic language, normally one of the highest levels of regret is depicted by the statement, he bit his hands or he is biting his hands in regret, which means you've got no statement. You cannot justify. You've got nothing to say. Your mouth is filled with what? With your own hands. You're biting them. You're regretting so much. So this is why if you want to avoid regret on the day of judgment, make sure you have a decent set of friends. Those who are bothered about their link with Allah. Those who are careful about their prayers. Those who are worried about their dress code. Those who abstain from prohibition. Those whom when haram is to be fulfilled or easily accessible, they are the first ones to abstain and to remind the rest of the lot, hey listen, that's not our path then we will be successful. Then we will avoid the regret. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us learn a beautiful lesson from this verse. Alhamdulillah.
Then we have verses at the end of Surah Al-Furqan that describe what is known as Ibadul Rahman, the worshippers of the Most Merciful. These are top-notch worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The cream of the crop, those who really love Allah, those who are careful regarding their link with Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed so many verses at the end of Surah Al-Furqan. And in these verses, he describes what he calls the worshippers of the most merciful are those whom when they walk on earth, they walk with humility. You know, they, they don't rush, they don't stamp their feet, they don't tiptoe. Beautiful way of walking, so calm, so collected. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls them the worshippers of the most merciful. Because in order to be able to attract the mercy of Allah, we need to try to earn the love of Allah by following His commands and by abstaining from His prohibitions. So this is why towards the end, some verses down, verse number 68, Surah Al-Furqan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the qualities of these people and He says, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَٰهًا آخَرَ وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا يَزْنُونَ They are those who do not call out to deities besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are the ones who do not kill others. They are the ones who do not commit murder. In fact, if it is justified according to the legal system, then that is the only time that those in authority have the right to pass what is known as the death sentence. Besides that, nobody can take the law into their own hands to take the life of any human being away, no matter who they are. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us an understanding. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open our doors. And the same time, the third thing mentioned in this verse, they are the ones who do not commit adultery. So these are three things mentioned here. Abstinence from shirk, avoiding m committing murder completely, and at the same time, avoiding adultery. Allah says these are the qualities of the worshippers of the most merciful. And He says, He warns of a severe punishment on the day of judgment. For those who fall into one of these three things or the last of those three which means adultery so according to a narration of in fact a narration which is muttafaq alayh of ibn abbas radiallahu an he makes it quite clear and he says that there were people from among the mushrikeen who intended to enter the fold of islam and they said oh messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam we would like to enter the fold of Islam, but we have committed adultery, we have associated partners with Allah, and at the same time, we have also committed murder in our previous lives. So is there any way of expiation? Is there any way of achieving forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verse number 70 of Surah Al-Furqan. What a beautiful verse. It has in it the exception. Let's listen to it. إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا فَأُولَٰئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتٍ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا the exception is of those who repent to Allah, they believe and they do good deeds. For them, 
we will convert the bad deeds that they have done in the past into good deeds on the right side of the scale for the day of judgment. For indeed Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. Subhanallah. So Allah is saying, we won't only forgive you. If you ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven. But if your life has changed after you asked forgiveness, you deserve something more than just forgiveness. There's a difference. One is, I asked Allah's forgiveness, so I'm forgiven. But the second is, I asked Allah to forgive me. And I changed my life after that. And I never went back to my bad ways. Allah says, for that person, all the bad that they've done in the past, we will take it, convert it into good deeds, put it on the right side of the scale as weight for the day of judgment, and we will present it to them. They will be surprised to see our mercy. Allahu Akbar. That's the mercy of Allah. How many of us are ready not only to quit our bad ways, but to change our lives for the sake of Allah. These are the beautiful days of Ramadan. I want to pause for a moment to remind you, my brothers and sisters, we are in the most blessed days of the year. Do you know that? We have Laylatul Qadr. We have the night of decree. We have a powerful night, better than a thousand months. We are in the house of Allah. We've just engaged in a long, long act of worship. We've engaged in fasting through the day. We've engaged in prayer through part of the night. Perhaps we will go back. Our hearts are supposed to be the most softened they ever would towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we have not achieved that softening of the heart, in this house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at this time, after such prayer, after such fasting, towards the end of Ramadan, in such a beautiful atmosphere and environment, when do we expect the softening to come? Will you have a better moment than this? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us turn. Shaitan is indeed our enemy. People are good, shaitan is bad. So shaitan entraps and enslaves. Let's not become the slaves of shaitan. Let us prove that we are in fact the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah forgive us. Verse number 32 of the same surah, Surah Al-Furqan, the kuffar of Quraysh, again trying to pick on anything in order to deny or reject the Quran and that which Muhammad ﷺ brought. One of the excuses, and this is made mention of by Al-Hakim as well as Ibn Abi Hatim, or Ibn Abi Hatim, narration of Ibn Abbas radiallahu an. He says, the mushrikeen said, why doesn't Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam come with the Quran all at once in one book and we want to see it being revealed immediately just like the Torah was revealed in the past. So Allah makes mention of the question and Allah answers the question. Verse number 32, لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ عَلَيْهِ الْقُرْآنُ The kuffar said, why is it not that the Qur'an came down all at once? Why did the Qur'an not come down all at once? Why isn't it revealed all at once? Why is it being spaced out? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replies, Allah says, كَذَلِكَ لِنُثَبِّتَ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ وَرَتَّلْنَاهُ It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to strengthen your heart, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you know there are divine reasons why Allah has spaced it out. He doesn't need to mention it for us. But he is saying in order to strengthen your heart, we have spaced it out distinctly, this beautiful Quran. So now we have reasons of revelation. If it was all at once, we would not be having reasons of revelation. It would just be a book full of rules and regulations. 
In fact, going back to the point I made at the beginning, the fact that the Quran has been spaced out and every time something happened, verses were revealed. It helps us practice upon it. It just shows that this book is actually to act upon for human beings. Because if it just came down all at once, people might say it's very difficult to adopt. We have proof that people have adopted it all along. They've achieved success and contentment in this world. You want success and you want contentment. Well, you would have to adopt the Quran and you would have to understand the restrictions of this beautiful book. And this is when we will achieve success in this world and the next. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the next surah is a surah named after the poets. And Ash-Shu'ara referring to poets. There were three of the top poets among many others in the ranks of the Muslimin. What were their names? One of them was known as Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu anhu. The other one was known as Hassan ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu. And the third was Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. If you recall, his name we mentioned it amongst the three who had stayed back from the battle of Tabuk. So Ka'b ibn Malik, Hassan ibn Thabit, Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu anhum, the Prophet ﷺ used to tell them to use their poetry in order to defend Islam. So they used to do it. But the other poets among the mushrikeen, they used to utter words against Islam. They used to say words in order to lead people astray. A lot of the words were full of lusts, desires, attraction to the opposite sex in a prohibited way. As you know, the lyrics of music today, some of the dirtiest lyrics on earth belong to some of those who are professional musicians and singers. So embarrassing that if we were to listen to them, we wouldn't know where to hide our faces. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. So if a person uses his talent to defend Islam, if a person uses the gift of Allah that he may have in terms of eloquence, in terms of the ability to write poetry, in terms of the ability to write songs as well, if these are nasheeds as we would call them, some form of poetry that is then sung in a beautiful way, if it is to defend Islam, if it is to call people towards good, if it is in order to attract people to bring them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will say good news to you. You are using your gift to, for the, the right cause. But if the person is using it for the wrong cause, then definitely they have something to answer on the day of judgment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he admonishes those who were poets among the mushrikeen, the verse that is made mention of 224 of Surah Al-Shu'ara, it's an open verse. Allah says, وَالشُّعَرَاءُ يَتَّبِعُهُمُ الْغَامُونَ أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّهُمْ فِي كُلِّ وَادٍ يَهِيمُونَ وَأَنَّهُمْ يَقُولُونَ مَا لَا يَفْعَلُونَ Listen to this. Allah says, The poets, only the deviators follow them. And this is mentioned in Tafsir Al-Tabari. And the next part of the verse, Allah says, Don't you see? They are roaming in every valley. What's the meaning of that? They speak on every t topic. They are not worried. They speak about anything and everything. This is what is meant by roaming in every valley. They are going physically from pillar to post, attracting people towards evil. And at the same time, they speak on any matter. They don't even bother. The fact that they've chosen words that might rhyme and they might, you know, balance out a little bit. They just send it as we would say. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. So Allah says, do you see that they utter words that they do not follow themselves? Now these three poets rushed to Muhammad sallallahu saying, Ya Rasulullah, Allah has spoken about poets. We are poets. What about us? But the verses had not yet come to an end. Allah makes an exception. 
beautiful verse immediately after them allah says with the exception of those poets who believe and do good deeds and remember Allah a lot and they use their poetry to defend Islam after they've been oppressed. So this was an exception made for whom? For these three and others who use their poetry to defend Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us use whatever we are good at to serve the cause of the deen. Brothers and sisters, every one of us is good at something. We have a different field perhaps. We are given a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in one way or another. Use your expertise to serve the deen and inshallah you will be earning the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we have a surah known as Surah Al-Qasas, where the story of Musa alayhi salam is mentioned in great detail. And in this beautiful story, later on, you know the story of the Pharaoh, where the Pharaoh did not accept the message of Musa alayhi salam, Moses may peace be upon him. And their relationship was something strange, something we learn a lot from. It lasted a long period of time. And at the end, the destruction of the Pharaoh is how the story came to an end. Regarding this relationship. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that draws the attention of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to something that was very very close to his heart. His uncle Abu Talib used to defend him, used to defend Islam, used to defend some of the Muslimin, and he was a very good man. He spent his time, his effort, his energy and his wealth defending Islam and the Muslims and he succeeded to a great extent. When he was alive, everything was okay. He did not allow the people of Quraysh to get near Muhammad to harm him. So now that he was on his deathbed in the 10th year of prophethood, you find Rasulullah standing next to him and saying, Oh my uncle, I want you to utter this statement, La ilaha illallah. I want you to utter this powerful statement and I will then bear witness for you on the day of judgment. I will fight your case. According to one narration, he says, Ya am, qul kalimatan, uhajju laka biha yawm al-qiyamah. Oh my uncle, utter the statement. I will then fight your case on the day of judgment. I will bear witness that you said it. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the sincere utterance of this beautiful statement, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, in the presence of this man were some of the, the cronies of Quraysh, the leaders of Quraysh. Among them were Abu Jahl and a few of the others. And they looked at him and they kept on saying, Hey, are you going to turn away from the religion of, of your father? Are you going to turn away from the religion of Abdul Muttalib? Are you going to turn away from the religion of our forefathers? So Abu Talib looks at Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is a hadith in Sahih Muslim narrated by Abu Huraira radiallahu an. It also is a hadith muttafaq alayh. Saeed ibn al-Musayyib makes mention of how he responded saying, Do you know what? I don't want people to think I'm going to say the statement because I'm fearing death. So I won't say the statement. And he didn't say the statement. And he died in that condition. And Muhammad ﷺ was very sad because this was a good man. He was a decent man. So he was sad. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses comforting him, telling him, listen, guidance is in our hands. So Allah says, verse number 56, Surah Al-Qasas, 
It is not you who guides whomsoever you wish. It is Allah who guides whomsoever Allah wishes. Indeed, Allah is the one who is the owner of guidance. We know that. So, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a person that Allah said, He guides to the straight path. Why is it that here Allah says, Guidance is not in your hands? Because my brothers and sisters, there are two types of guidance. One is the guidance of showing you the path. So if someone says, I'm lost. So a person, say for example, you bump into someone and you say, I'm lost, I need help. They will guide you to the right path. They will show you, look, this is the road. If you'd like to get to Midrand, you need to follow the N1. Agreed? Now, whether or not the person is going to use the N1, that's not up to the person who guided that man. They told you what was right. They told you how to get to Midrand. And then you suddenly decided, no, N1, I'd rather go on N3, because 3 is a bigger number than 1. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. That's foolish thinking. So Muhammad guides us in the sense that he tells us how to get to Jannah and how to earn the pleasure of Allah. Whether or not we walk or tread upon that guidance, that is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one is called Ad-Dalala wal-Irshad. To be able to show you the path and to be able to guide you as to what the path is. And the other one is At-Tawfiq. To give you the ability to walk on that path. That is in the hands of Allah. This is why we always ask Allah, Guide us to the straight path. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us all and grant us goodness. Then we have Surah Al-Ankabut. A beautiful surah. I just want to make mention of the opening verses because it affects every single one of us. This is a narration mentioned by a shabi He says that there were people who accepted Islam. They made hijrah and they were harmed when they accepted Islam. It became difficult. It was hard. They were persecuted. The people in Mecca who accepted Islam. There is another narration also by Ibn Sa'd in a book known as At-Tabaqat. He makes mention of Ammar ibn Yasir and how he was from among those who was really harmed when he accepted Islam. It was so difficult, they beat him. And there were so many other companions who were persecuted in a very, very grave manner. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses, the opening verses of Surah Al-Ankabut. Do you know what Allah says? Alif Lam Mim do the people think that it is enough for them to say that we are believers and then they will not be persecuted or they will not be tested? Allah says, وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ we have indeed tested those before you. We have tested those before. In order to distinguish between those who are truthful and those who are liars. When I say I believe in Allah, that's not enough. Allah says, okay, you really believe in me? I'm going to test you. So now you will have things that will happen, not according to your way, according to my way. Will you still believe in me? If the answer is yes, you're a true believer. If the answer is no, once I have problems, I start doubting, then you're not a true believer. So Allah says, it's not enough for people to think that once we say we're believers, life is going to be rosy for them. No, 
In fact, life will not be rosy. They will be tasting persecution upon persecution, difficulty upon difficulty in order to be verified. Are they truthful or are they liars when it comes to their declaration? Because to say, I believe in Allah is easy, but to have it in the heart is what counts. And that no one knows you are only tested by Allah. May Allah make our tests easy for us. Allah says he's going to test every single one of us in different ways. May Allah make it easy for us. May he never test us with tests that will be too difficult for us to pass. May he make it easy for us to pass the tests that he has placed in our lives. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us goodness, to grant us Jannah. Inshallah, we meet again tomorrow. Until then, wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.